Today's episode is brought to you by Schoolyard Stories, an Australian-owned and operated business providing opportunities for schools to publish books written by children that also fundraise. Not only is Schoolyard Stories a brilliant way for children to explore their imaginations, develop their writing skills and express themselves in a way that is both meaningful and rewarding, it also serves as a brilliant opportunity for schools to raise much-needed funds. Bonus! (laughs) To get your school or kindergarten on board today, visit schoolyardstories.com.au. Hello and welcome. Well, every parent wants their child to be healthy and happy. And of course, a big part of ensuring this has to do with their diet and the balance of foods that they're eating. However, figuring out the right mix of healthy foods that's right for the whole family to eat each day can be a real puzzle. It's a little like trying to crack a code, especially when it comes to feeding ourselves and our little ones. Now, I'm sure that we've all heard the Australian Dietary Guidelines that say that we should aim for two servings of fruit and five veggies daily. But honestly, what does that actually mean? It's not as straightforward, really, as it sounds. And we all know that the right portion sizes um, and also ensuring that we've got the variety of fruits and vegetables, plus the age, the activity levels and all other individual needs really play a role, too. Now, working this out on our own can sometimes feel like an added layer of stress and anxiety to our already growing pile sitting over there in the corner. And it's definitely just not what we need. And there has to be an easier way. Well, lucky for us, there is. And our special guest today is here to help us understand and explain what that is and and. not just that, but actually using scientifically backed strategies. Today, I am so excited to welcome one of our partners here at Kittypedia, Dr. Flavia from Food is Cool. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me on the show. Awesome. And just for everyone watching and listening, just a little bit about our guest before we get stuck into the questions. Now, Flavia is a change maker in a, well, as a global human health and well-being expert. Now, she is Brazilian-born, Canadian-raised, and Australian-made scientist. She's got three degrees in nutrition. Thank you very much. You're <laughs> She's a and an entrepreneur. Now, Flavia is passionate about improving the relationship that everybody has with food for life. And together with her business partner, Sinead, They run a fun and engaging nutritional program for kids aged two to six years called Food is Cool uh, that offers game-changing nutrition education uh, that creates meaningful impact, which really is aimed at teachers and parents to help them with with engaging children with food in the most meaningful and positive way possible. Now, thanks for joining us. Now, I have a a million questions to ask you on this subject because it affects everybody every day in what we do um, and in, in, I guess, in everyone's subconscious minds in the sense of it's our health and how is that linked to what we eat. Now, Dr. Mm -hmm. Flap, I understand you focus your research and advocacy uh, work on promoting a food-first approach to address public health biggest problems, especially among children. I'd just love to know initially, where did this passion come from and why is this oh. <laughs> so important to you? Of course, because we all eat, everyone has to eat and we all yep. have to make decisions every day about what we put in our bodies, right? And we also know that food is so much more than just nutrition. Food is culture, food is fun, 
food is society. Food is why we exist, many of us, at least myself, that look forward to every meal <laughs> as a foodie. So it's really just seeing what's happening, you know, out there, especially with social media and so much misinformation. Yeah. Um, I'm being very passionate about food and nutrition, hence why I studied it so much. Um, but I just want to help people have meaningful change in their daily lives with really simple strategies that are backed by science that they can implement and slowly see the changes and and help debunk all that confusion because parents are just confused. Yes, Every parent wants the best for their child, right? No one goes, no, I'm going to malnourish my child on purpose. <laughs> it's really, you're doing your best. <laughs> so I, it's really around... Um, Helping change and shift society as a whole, we, you know, a lot of the information that's currently being shared, um, it's all about sharing knowledge. Yeah. So, and now, we know that doesn't change behavior. Now, I've read that you've mentioned that the norm in society around food and nutrition is not the evidence-based way. Just quickly, can you expand on that and what you mean? Yes, for sure. So, especially the language <laughs> that people use around food. So, for example, when you tell a child um, to finish what's on their plate. That's against, that's the norm. Everyone says, finish your eating or eat more of the broccoli or you haven't eaten enough of the mashed potato or whatever it is. That commenting on children's eating is the total opposite of what actually the science says you need to do to get them to eat. So the key thing is to just be quiet and don't say anything at all and allow the child to decide and, and empower them to decide what they want to eat from what you've provided and how much so they, that you're not teaching them to override their hunger signals from a really young age, which then creates children that don't know when they're full. They just keep eating more than their body actually needs. So by creating so those strategies that are don't say anything at all, let the child decide how much they want to eat and if they want to eat. And as adults, we decide what we provide, what context it's provided when and when food is, is meant to be consumed. So it's really that division of responsibility and knowing what's your responsibility as an adult, what's the responsibility as a child, and what we do in society is totally the opposite. Interesting. <laughs> like, and you finish what's on your plate, right? <laughs> well, I mean, and everyone's heard that their whole life. Um, but yeah, you, you've mentioned that you're here to rethink and rework almost everything that we thought we know about food and nutrition and throw a quite a bit of that out the window. Is there anything else yes. besides what you've just mentioned that you want to expand on at all? Well, let's, yeah, I'd love to talk about the article that I wrote for Kittypedia, right? Yeah. So around the two and five, that's what we know we currently use is go for two and five. But really the evidence is that just telling someone to eat two and five does not work. And we know it doesn't work because no one's doing it. Yes. <laughs> So for everyone watching and listening, yeah, we do have an article that we've published and we'll have um, that available in the show notes. So just before we sort of deep dive into the questions, um, is there anything else you want to maybe tell us about the article, um, why we need to ditch uh, the, the two and five message when it comes to children? Now, for anyone that hasn't um, read the article yet, please tell us a little bit about what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it. Sure. So as a mom and as a nutrition scientist, you know, I've seen constantly seeing the message around encouraging children to eat more veggies or to eat more fruits. And it's all around eat more veggies. For example, certain existing programs, government funded that exist, that give you tips on how to eat more veggies. One of their tips is offer a variety of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> that doesn't work, right? People know that they need to eat more veggies, but it's the how, what are the strategies that are actually backed by science 
that's going to get a child to eat more veggies. And one of them, I think, is to really ditch the whole serving size, amount. It's so complex. Yes. And 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 make it simple based on science. We know that color is a natural cue that makes people eat. And we have research that we published showing the benefits of adding color in terms of health. And that if you add more color, you're more likely to eat more fruits and vegetables. So it's a really easy way to take all that complex Two serves of fruit, how much is a serve? It's 150 grams. What does that look like? Is it a big banana? Is it a small banana? <laughs> too much information. And then my child is two, and then the other child is 10. So does my 10-year-old get more? But then one's male, one's female. Too much information. It's too complex. Yeah. Behavior change models show that the easiest way to change behavior is to really make it simple. Yeah. And let's use what we already do as humans. We look for color. It's a natural cue to eat because color means nutrition. So it's utilizing that. So that's basically what the article covers that let's rethink um, our whole messaging around getting children to eat more fruits and veggies. It's as simple as thinking about adding color to your plate. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. And as I alluded to earlier, you know, parents obviously have millions of questions that they have for you about ensuring their child's diets and healthy are balanced. Now, what are some of the more common questions and concerns you generally get asked? Exactly. Uh, on the this most, because, yes, know. it's how do I get my child to eat veggies? <laughs> right. So it's the most, yeah. So you don't get them to eat veggies. And that's the, the key. You don't make them. Yes. You don't get them to eat it. They need to want to eat it. So you create a positive food environment for the child. It might be grab your broccoli and put it in the middle of the table in a vase in the morning and expose that child to that broccoli all day. And then at the end of the day, go, hmm, what do you think we should do with that broccoli today? And it can be, let's make stamps and do some art, or it might be, let's chop it up and try it. It's really empowering the children and normalizing the food environment. So it's really positive. Because right now, what children are hearing is negativity. It's how annoying would it be if you were a child? So just putting yourself in the child's um, position and thinking constantly when you're eating, someone's nagging at you, telling you, eat this, don't eat that, have more, sit down, da da da. Like it's just annoying, right? So, and the, and science shows that the less we say, the more effective it is. So the the one of the biggest ways to get children to eat more veggies is a exposed to to the vegetables role model, make it fun and take away all the negativity and nagging and just be quiet. Yeah. At the dinner table, offer and be quiet and see magic happen because it's really, it's magic. (laughs) And naturally you've seen that work for all of the different people in the families that you work with, right? Exactly. So then that's why we started Food is Cool because it's an all-inclusive program for the early years because if we don't start in the early years, there's no hope later. It's it's too far gone, the eating behavior and the habits. Yeah. So it's in the early years to help educators and parents have a shared language around food that's positive. Give them the ideas backed by science, like add more color to your plate instead of eat more veggies that are really practical, that are really easy, that will help make food fun and cool again. Because food right now for a lot of children and a lot of parents is negative. Well, and that's, and that's the just thing. the way society was is at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, and I just love the two words that you used, easy and fun, because that's really what life should be about. And I think we've just got so much constantly on our shoulders. In like I was saying before, you know, the anxiety and stress that's already growing. It's just yeah, it's in the core waving at us, going, "Hey, I'm over here." Like it's just 
And we want to support parents, right? So in in our food to school program, um, early learning centers and primary can download the program, but then we have a free club for parents. So it's free to join, ask us your questions, get on on our Facebook private group and just ask away. We're here to help create resources that's going to help you with your children and really help shift that society around food and make it, like you said, really fun because food is fun. Well, it should be. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Like what is food to you? I think it's always important for parents to reflect on their own food beliefs and educators to reflect and, and think about what are they passing on to, to children? And is that what they want children to hear? Now, it, it, this is really alarming. In your article, you mentioned that 99 percent of Australian children aren't eating enough vegetables each day. Oh, my goodness. And 99 percent. And when yeah, more no than a third of their daily intake comes from foods that are not nourishing their body and their mind. Now, that really is alarming. Now, can you just really quickly ex- expand on why that statistic is so high and why this is actually happening? Well, there's lots of different reasons, right? There are barriers and access to food. There's misinformation, maybe lack of cooking skills, time, cost right now, you know, in this current climate. but it doesn't mean that we have a lost cause. You know, I think it's really around shifting the how and shifting the message. So it's conducive to behavior change and ensuring that it's a societal change that every parent, every child, every teacher, every educator is saying the same language. It's saying the same thing because that's the only way that we're actually going to see true change. One of the reasons I think is because we demonize sugar, right? The World Health Organization recommendations for fruits and vegetables are combined for example. It's all the same because we know that it's rich in nutrients, rich in color, and the bioactives that comes with those color that are really beneficial for health. Just eat fruits and veggies. It's the whole. Don't worry about the sugar in fruit. I think because of the whole anti-sugar campaigning and demonizing food. Right? So it's just as long as you're eating fruits and veggies, like you're doing really well, as you can see from the statistics, right? It's more than one in two aren't eating enough fruit either. And fruit is sweet and children love it. So adding color, not worrying about how many veggies, how many fruits will help um, with that. And it's really because it's complex, you know, eating behavior and food, it's multifactorial. um, And that's why we really need to empower rather than just share information. Yeah. It's like, how do you actually turn it into action? Now, I have to say congratulations because I know your research team published a world first study last year. So con- congratulations on that. And that is enormous. Now, um, and the study itself proved that there are benefits to eating the rainbow that go beyond just fruit and vegetables. Just really quickly, what can you tell us about your findings? So we summarized and synthesized all the evidence that exists to substantiate or prove eating a rainbow. So up until last year, even though we all use it, no one had actually synthesized that and proven why we should eat a rainbow. Well, well done on so doing that. It's really, it was a huge amount of work, but it's really exciting because now we have proof and science to recommend eating a rainbow from fruits and veggies. So there are all the different colors that you see, you know, from the, the bright purples and reds and berries and red and watermelon to green. Um, it's all the colors of the rainbow have a health benefit from cardiovascular disease to inflammation, to type two diabetes, to cancer. And what we found is that eating color associated with fruits and vegetables give you benefits beyond just eating the fruits and vegetables. 
So it's, it's having color variety is important. So if you're eating the same fruit or the same vegetable every day of your whole life, you're not reaping the full benefits that you can from them because you're not having that color variety. So it's another reason that we need to recommend eating a rainbow because there's a range of benefits and we want the variety in the diet as well. Okay. And we'll have a link to that study as well uh, in the show notes. Now in your article, you also list your top five tips on how Mm. parents can add color and variety to their plate. Can you quickly just go through some of them with us now? Sure. So the first one I had is to add an extra color to the lunchbox. And it's a really nice activity to do with children. Get them to look and they're going to critically analyze with scientific skills you're learning already to go, which color is missing? Can you think of something from the fridge? Can you open the fridge or the pantry? Can we cut up an apple? What color are we missing? What can we add? So really empowering the child and giving them that sense of agency and control over their food. And at the same time, it's a you're not telling them, eat your veggies. They're making the decision. They're making the decision if they add a fruit or a vegetable color and which one and what color, which then is going to help them want to eat that, right? So that's the first tip. When you're shopping at a supermarket or a green grocer or wherever it is, I challenge you to just add two more colors to your trolley or your basket. So just do a color check, look at it and go, hmm, can I add any more color to my, my shopping today? Because in that color, we'll go home and then being at home, then you're more likely to add it across the meals and recipes. Another really easy way, I guess, which many people don't think of is adding fruit to salads. Oh, I love that. Not so only does it don't. add like pineapple on pizza, right? Yes. And berries, <laughs> like you get a raspberry and you tear it open. You can tear it open to make it go further as well, which is really nice. And just boom, pop of red and pink in your beautiful green salad. So it's a really nice way to just think. Yeah. I can also add fruit as an ingredient in the salad and not be thinking too much about the sugar in fruit because all those bioactives and all that color in fruit actually helps your body adapt to any of the sugars in it. So your sugar actually doesn't rise as high when the bioactives are there. And that's the thing. That's why food first approach, because there's synergy. Things talk to each other in food that we yet don't know in nutrition science that helps promote health. The other one is think of herbs and spices. They also have color and they also have bioactives. So you got to the end of the recipe. You haven't made added any extra color. Just grab a herb or a spice and add that color that way because there are health benefits associated with herbs and spices as well. Yeah. And then snacking. Snacking is a hard one because snacks are hard to be actually really nutritious because they're by definition small. So a good way to up and boost your your color in your diet is to think about color in snacking because you will tend to go for fruits and vegetables to add to the snack. So thinking if you're having a muffin, go, hmm, could I add some color to this snacking occasion? What could I add? Some, you know, chopped red capsicum and just have that on the side with it. And that's with children. It's just offer. So your role is just to offer. They don't have to eat it. But the repeated exposure and offering will start to normalize. And also if you start eating it. Right. So the other night I was having dinner with my daughter and she wasn't eating her broccoli so then I made a challenge. I, I did it myself. And I went, hmm, I wonder if I can put this whole big tree in my mouth. I can. Can you put the whole tree in your mouth? Mm, not sure if you can. And she just put like five in a row and ate it. <laughs> so it's, but had I told her, 
aren't you going to eat your broccoli? She would have been like, nope. And that's the end of the story, right? So it's making food fun, yes. role modeling and providing. Don't worry if they eat it. The, the, the win is in providing. And then the other win is normalizing that food in their, in their lives. You know, and and color itself is just fun, also. So it just it, it, that message is sort of coming in loud and clear ac- across the board. Yeah. But you also in the men- in the article mentioned to eat the rainbow plus brown and white. Yes. Now, <laughs> so what does that actually mean? So the white color has the bioactives called flavones. It's like Dr. Flav, <laughs> and they um and it's white and it's a bioactive. So don't forget white, like in mushrooms, in cauliflower. White is a bioactive and it's a color that has health benefits as well, like brown. Yes. Because often when we think of the rainbow, we don't think of white and brown. So it was just a reminder that there are more colors with bioactives and health benefits. Don't forget the other two that aren't part of the rainbow. Even though eating the rainbow is a really nice, easy message to remember, let's not forget all the other colors that might be missing out from, from that message. So that could be like cauliflower, ginger, potatoes, onions, mushrooms, parsnips. I love parsnips. Turnips, yes. brown rice, chestnuts, yum, brown lentils. And, and um, nuts as yes. well, you know, macadamia nuts. So there are loads of color in, in plant foods. And yeah. all those colors, um, they're naturally there to protect the plant. So many of them have antioxidant properties. And when we eat them, they, they help our body thrive. And you also mentioned more variety, the, the more variety that is offered, the more that we eat. It's called the buffet effect. Um, yes. So uh, <laughs> love explaining this. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what does it mean, right? So research shows that the more variety that we are exposed to as humans, the more we want to eat. And that's just from a survival perspective, because it means that we're more likely to get all the nutrients we need to grow and thrive and for our brains to grow. So But that's why when you go to a buffet, you always eat more than you want because there's so much choice and so much variety that you'll end up eating more even if you don't want to. But we can use that for our advantage when it comes to fruits and vegetables. There's this famous jelly bean experiment that was done where they gave people bowls of jelly beans. So single color. So it might have been a bowl of orange jelly bean, a bowl of red, a bowl of black. And people ate more jelly beans when the jelly beans were mixed not when they were single colors, even if it was their favorite color, jelly bean, or their favorite flavor. So what that tells us is that color variety makes you eat more too. And then there's research after that that was done showing that the more color variety you have in your diet, the more healthful your food choices are. So it's a really easy strategy. Add more color to your plate because that means that you're going to probably have more color variety and you're probably going to be eating more fruits and vegetables. So it's just using science and using our brain. We eat with our eyes as well. And it's a way to use that trick to our advantage. So so what I'm hearing is the more food variety that we have, the more likely we are to get the full range of nutrients that our body actually needs because it actually seeks that through the color. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So we So we tend to eat more food when there's more variety. So what I'm saying is use more color variety as a trigger to eat more healthful foods. Because cool. by aiming for not just variety, but color variety, it will ensure that we're using our innate preferences and cues that we have from the brain and our eyes to eat more fruits and vegetables without realizing. So by just adding more color to your plate, by default, you will be eating more healthful diets. So all of this information is incredible, but the million dollar question is how? 
can parents <laughs> make it fun <laughs> to involve children in making rainbow meals and to eat the rainbow every day? What are your tips and your expert advice? It's going to just yeah, so it, yeah, it can start at the supermarket and and children love you know being part of the family and having a role from food acquisition to making the food. So it's ensuring you give them a role. So at the supermarket, go hmm. When you've decided I, ha- I need to add two more colors to my trolley, ask your child, can you grab me a red capsicum? Do you think you can find it? Get them to go and find that, right? So, that. To, Because that's going to help with, with the whole family. You can also help them before you go. Let's look at our fridge. Are we missing any color? What do you think we can buy? And then getting them to buy and, and look for that. And it also helps make the shopping experience a bit more pleasant because they're then busy looking for the capsicum while you're buying whatever else you need. Um, and it also prevents them from nagging you for the other things that you don't want them to have or put in the trolley. Yeah. So their concentration. Love that. Their focus. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're making a bolognese, go, can we add another color to the bolognese and, and get them to 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 have a look? Um, you can ask again, as I mentioned at the start in the lunchbox, getting them involved in making their lunchbox, even if it's just asking, where should I put? you know, the capsicum yep. in, in your lunchbox, which square, which packaging, how should we do it? Just giving them that ownership and control over their food is really important because children have no control in their life. It's sucks to be a child. <laughs> You're told everything, right? And often they use food and, and Ms. Sinead will talk about that, you know, how do you manage those um, big emotions at mealtimes? Because yes. they want that control. So by giving them all this control, you're diffusing um, those emotions well in advance. So those are probably my top tips. Think of the supermarket, think of the shopping list and involving them as part of it, and then adding it to any meal that you're making and getting them involved with adding it. And overall, if you're just to summarize, I guess, your key messages in a nutshell, <laughs> what would that be for everyone watching and listening? Add some color to your plate. <laughs> Easy enough. And I guess the other thing is to, you know, keep it in mind that each child is unique in discovering effective approaches to help children, I guess, just navigate, like you said earlier, just those strong emotions during mealtimes may require some um, reason to experiment, I guess, and just to- A hundred percent. And and even if a child is neurodivergent, the same strategies that you use around the division of responsibility and role modeling and repeated exposure- and, and not fueling the fire is yes. the same strategies you'd use for a neurodivergent child, except you need more support to, to bring that into action. Well. So it's really around do your best. There is no perfection when it comes to food. There is a place for every food in our diet. We don't need parents to be shamed or lunchboxes to be shamed or anything. It's your, you decide what's on the menu, you know, as the adult, but then it's up to the child to decide if they want to eat it. And really trying to embed that with everyone involved with children and being consistent will eventually slowly chip away at that lack of fruits and veggies and we'll hopefully see an increase sooner than later. And of course, if any parents, uh, teachers, anyone in the in the industry, in education industry, um, has any questions and or would like to learn more about the Food is Cool program, of course, where can they find you guys? So you can go to www.foodiscool.com. So it's a play on food school. Let me say it quickly. Oh, <laughs> and it's yeah, really, it's an all, yeah, it's an all-inclusive program. So there's no extra work for teachers or educators. It's all there. 
We have professional development to help you. You don't need us to come and, and be in, in the center. It's all online. It's self-paced. You implement the program how you like it, but we're here to support. So it's really to help get to as many early learning centers and, and, and preschools as possible so we can start really young and start changing and shifting that language that's negative right now to something more positive, fun, and cool. Dr. Flav, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are and your schedule is jam-packed, so we're really, really grateful um, for, for for your time, for your expertise, for your partnership, and just overall just the, the difference that you're making in the world. It's really needed um, and just, you know, the legacy that, that you're building as well, it's just it's admirable. So just congratulations. So thank, thank you, you so much, much for your time and um, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to chat with you again. But in the meantime, take care. Take care. You too. All right, bye. Thanks. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening, and be sure to give my love to the kids.